This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Okay, Sports Betters Paradise here of the Bet Rivers Network uh, YouTube channel, a uh, Jimmy Yacht. As we get into college football, and a couple of guys that have uh, been uh, made that trek to Atlanta in Hoover for SEC Media Days for years and years, Charles Hannigriff and Bruce Marshall. Charles Hannigriff from ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge, 30 years of plus covered a conference in Bruce Marshall. Our favorite historian when it comes to all sports, especially uh, college football. Brucey, how you doing? Hey, pretty good, uh, Jimmy. Uh, we're not too far from kicking this thing off in a few weeks. No doubt. And, Charlie, we've been going to SEC Media Days for a long, long time. Can you remember a more lopsided prediction for Georgia in the East and Alabama in the West? No, I can't because even in the Spurrier-dominated era, there was always Tennessee that was looming that was at least considered to be competitive in the preseason. So, no, I haven't. And, and Bruce, so, <clears throat> I mean, we're going to have to see what the uh, the hangover – <clears throat> you know, the, the, the situation, championship hangover situation uh, is for the Georgia Bulldogs. And also, they got gutted uh, in the NFL draft. And, you know, Phil Steele, our buddy that puts out the college football preview, that's a big part of his evaluations from year to year, how badly a team was hurt in the NFL draft. Yeah, even even if Georgia reloads, and, and I think they're at that level right now, and it's sort of the Alabama level, they lose guys, they, they bring guys in. You, you can't help but have a little bit of a drop-off from that uh, uh, all-time defense they had last year, which means they may have to play games a little bit differently this year. They may not be able just to sit back offensively and wait for the defense to make all the big plays. They're going to have to alter that a little bit, and I think that's the biggest change maybe to look forward to on the Georgia side. Yeah, Georgia, uh, and Bennett was able to do it because <clears throat> he had such a strong supporting cast. But uh, yeah, uh, is he? Can he kind of carry the off <clears throat> carry the offense on his shoulders a little bit more this year? Yeah, definitely. That'll be a, a little bit more on him. Although, uh, to give him his credit, he did he did step up when he needed to last year. So I think they're pretty comfy as long as Bennett's in charge. Charlie, sometimes we know that uh, the winning percentage and the quarterback gets a lot of credit and maybe something too much, especially when you're talking about Alabama in the likes of uh, Georgia's supporting cast. Where do you find Bennett in this class of quarterbacks of 14 teams? I I would probably have him somewhere around uh, six or so. Um, you know, that's a pretty talented quarterback room. I mean, there's two five-stars in there with him. And every time they've tried to replace him, you know, he just seems to show up again. So I, six may even actually be a little bit low. 
because there's some real talent on that roster, and there has been before, and he's been able to, you know, just hold on to that job for a lot longer than most people thought he would. But do you – we've seen Nick Saban 04 after he won 03 at LSU and have a little bit of a dip. We've seen these teams. Uh, it's real. Uh, they get uh, content. Um, they're not as hungry. Um, I, I just want to see – but, boy, this this schedule – who on this schedule really provides a stiff challenge? I mean, Billy Napier is in a sort of a transition year uh, at Florida. I mean, way more in place uh, with Georgia. Tennessee, are they really ready to take that next step? Uh, at South Carolina is, you know, can the Oklahoma transfer a quarterback come in and make some uh, strides there? We'll see. You know, and the real the, the real hole in their schedule, Jimmy, is a, a game that's traditionally very tough for them. Auburn is so down this year. That that's supposed to be a a fifty fifty game every year you play it, and this year it's just not not even close. No doubt about that. And the Harson thing, it's just that looks like it's going to be a really difficult task. I mean, the over under. When is the last time Auburn over under was five and a half? I mean. They're predicted to have a losing season, or I mean that—that that is with the three red wins in there. That's just so unbelievable. It is, and you know the whole thing feels like when we get to our over/under picks. This is one of mine. This feels very much like the Ron Zook situation. You have an entire fan base and people inside the administration that simply did not want him as a head coach. Now, if Tank Bigsby goes down and they beat Alabama, uh, you know, uh, inbounds and they, they beat Alabama. We might be having a different story. Right. But this was an internal investigation from Auburn. Auburn has run off coaches that have had huge amounts of success. Terry Bowden, Tommy Tuberville, Gene Shizik, Gus Maltzahn. All of those guys had a big degree of success and they ran them off anyway. Imagine when they want to run somebody off that hasn't had any of that success. And, Brucey, this is the price of having probably the nastiest uh, rivalry that goes 365 days a year when Big Brother's just putting up, you know, monster season after monster season. It just eats uh, at the end. And it causes them to per- causes them to act as an administration a little bit uh, irrationally. Yeah, I think it does. And and, and I think actually that, that, that Gus Malzahn had a little bit of success against Alabama. That may have allowed him to stick around and in good graces a little bit longer. And like Charlie mentioned, let's face it, if Bigsby goes down inbounds uh, late in the game, they probably beat Alabama and some of this pressure is going to be removed from Harson. But I, I thought this was an awkward hire to begin with because he came in from outside of the region. And you wonder if Harson himself is thinking about this, gosh, you know, if he stuck out another year at Boise, maybe he could have landed at Oregon. That was a job a lot of people thought he was going to eventually get more in his neck of the woods. So I kind of, I do agree with uh, Charlie, though. This does have that Ron Zook at Florida feel to it for sure. And it's also uh, where they, you know, they actually give a young quarterback a lot of playing time, and he still transfers out. So it's just very common uh, in the SEC. So their uh, their quarterback is starting quarterback for Oregon. He'll start his season in the swamp uh, this year as the uh, I'm sorry at uh, against Georgia uh, this year in the opener in Atlanta. Uh, Utah going to the swamp uh, rather, but that's a very interesting game as well with all that Utah has coming back. But uh, no doubt, no doubt. And so T.J. Finley, which we've seen a little bit, it just haven't seen any progress. It, with, with the starts that he's had, so yeah, uh, are you sure he's going to start? 
Well, you yeah, we got Calzada. Okay, Cal- yeah. Calzada from A and M might be the guy, and you know, but he, I have questions about him because he had the one breakout game against Alabama, but then it was very uneven after that for him. Right. So they've got some questions there for sure. And uh, but you're very right. Finley has not shown he can take it up to that next level yet, and they're going to need some really better play at quarterback, I think, to reach that level. And I'm not I'm not sure Harson has that on the roster. Yeah, and so it's just like you said, uh, uh, Harson at the Auburn, and I'll go outside of the conference. I know we're not talking, but uh, it's Georgia's only, you know, one of their main rivals in Georgia Tech. Uh, that schedule and the way their roster is built, uh, those two guys are probably the most likely to be fired uh, after uh, next year. Maybe not so much a hot seat in Atlanta at Georgia Tech, but I, I don't know how that guy is going to survive. They have a brutal schedule. Uh, and playing in the ACC as well. The Georgia over-under is 11.5. So is Alabama's. 11 is maybe doable. 11.5 is really tough to try and go over uh, at anyone. Maybe under or best. But also to win a national championship at Bent Rivers. Alabama's plus 150. They are the favorite. Plus 150 is really, really light. That's, I mean, that's almost, uh, you know, them against the field. But this Alabama team has a lot returning, and we've seen this Alabama team win with the supporting cast, win with mediocre quarterbacks. Now they have a really good quarterback returning and all of the pieces as well. We know Bama's good every year, but it seems like they're especially good this year. It does seem like that, and and this is one of those situations people down there will tell us that Saban relishes because he's going to be able to phrase last year to his team like it was a failure because you didn't win the whole thing, and he can use that as uh, to light the fuse beneath him. But I'd caution one thing. In the, look at Alabama last year. Uh, they had a lot more close calls than most of Saban's great teams usually have. Uh, the Florida game was a do-or-die LSU was not a great team last year, had Alabama in desperate trouble. We talked about Auburn having them in trouble. Arkansas played them within a touchdown. Um, so there were more close escapes last year. And even though, you know, you look at a NFL draft projection, I mean, what we got 10 Alabama guys projected in the first round and in some of these uh, uh, draft forecasts here. I mean, it's hard to pick against a team like that. But there is no room for error if you've got an 11 and a half win total. I mean, you lose one. Right. And, and I actually think they might be more likely to lose one than Georgia just because of schedule and because the West, as right. long as they're still in, the, in the, the, the schedule the way it is now, the West, there's a few more potholes in the West than there are in the East. It's not going to be easy to run through, and Saban has won national titles before with one loss, so it's not impossible for him to stumble once and then still win the title at the end. Charlie? They're not going to lose to Texas a I promise you that. <laughs> they're, they're waiting on that game. They may drop one somewhere else, but they're, they're not losing that one. I, the, the, the talent level, when you can – I thought about this when I saw the visual. They walked in in media days. Saban walked in with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and he wasn't his best player. I mean, yeah. the, the other guy, Will Anderson, is going to be the top pick in the draft to give you an idea of how much talent that they've got. But Bruce is exactly right when he says that this has got the, uh, the, the makings of Saban's perfect scenario – that he's got an axe to grind. He knows he's got a talented team, but he knows he can play the rat poison card and really motivate this group. Well, I think they, they are hungry when that they were so close uh, last year. And then losing Jamison Williams in the national championship game, uh, it did, you, we, we can never prove whether it cost them a, a national championship or the game, 
but it influenced it. I mean, you can make that argument. He was he was so good, such a dictated coverages uh, against Georgia. So some teams of the rest, because that's what the theme is with the SEC this year: Alabama, Georgia, and all of the rest. Um, who is best? I mean, Texas A and M has the most resources, has the most budget, has had the best recruiting classes. But okay, they got over the hump and beat Bama, but they're four and four in the league. I mean, their their best win besides Bama against a North Carolina team in a bowl game that sat multiple skill players, uh, their best players. You know, Jimbo's making a lot of headlines with the denials, and the denials have become a little bit silly. But you know, can this team? kind of even get close to getting to Atlanta? I don't know. Um, uh, they'd have to get over the Alabama hump. And like Charlie said, I'm sure not betting on the Aggies in that one because they've got to go to Tuscaloosa this year. We didn't see much of Haynes King last year at quarterback, just very briefly in September. So there is some excitement for him. But like I've said uh, on our, our weekly shows for a while now, I mean, this more and more, this is reminding me of Jackie Sherrill's time at A&M because that started all the big money stuff back in 82 when they pulled him out of pit. And there was a lot of hype for that for several years. And Jackie got them to a certain level, got them to a couple cotton balls, right. but never got them over the hump. Now, I will say this. I mean, they're still all in on Jimbo. He got that extension to his contract and uh, – uh, right the week after he beat Alabama. So, I mean, they're all in on Jimbo for now. But there's – I don't know that there's another national contender in the West besides Bama. Uh, so that's a little different than some other recent years in the in the Western half. But all those teams should be dangerous, and we'll get to LSU and some others with the coaching changes too. There's no easy touches in the West, and there's chances to slip up there. So uh, it's not an easy slate that, that uh, Bama has for sure. And uh, – you know, and A&M has got to play those Western teams as well. There's some losses in there waiting for Jimbo as well. Charlie, A&M? I, th- I think um, they're, uh, to me, they, I think they're kind of a year away with those recruiting classes. And we're going to have to see how many stay if they get the, you know, let's get out the way, get the money that they were promised maybe in the recruiting process. But because there's a little, uh, a little chirping about that. But I, I, I still think they're a little bit away. I think they're a year away from being able to contend for the Western Division title. I think it's going to be pretty close that they will have the third best record in the league. I'm a little bit more bullish on Tennessee, but uh, because of their schedule, not because I necessarily think they're better than A&M. But, you know, you you asked us, uh, I think it was a month ago, who's the third best team in the SEC? And you can have quite a debate over that. It's almost become A&M by default because, because of the talent level. And the, the results just haven't matched that. Uh, there's been too much uneven. You beat Alabama, but you lose four other games in the league, including one at LSU that, you know, frankly, they, they should not have lost uh, at, at the end of the season. Tennessee, let's look at it, Charlie. That um, You know, they made some strides last year and uh, <clears throat> lost in, the, uh, in the, the Music City Bowl. A controversial loss, uh, by the way, but still – uh, lost early to Pitt, lost to F- Florida, and then they started scoring points like crazy. 62 against Missouri, 45 against South Carolina. They had that game where it was a lot of plays, but the, it was the possessions, they didn't have a whole lot. That was against Ole Miss where they lost. Of course, they're going to lose to Bama. They beat Kentucky uh, on the road, which was a good win. And Josh Heupel, which was, uh, I mean, the program at Central Florida slipped uh, under his watch. Uh, in Orlando, but it's all offense. Now, can this type of 
hyper-paced offensive tempo where you put your defense on the field, more plays, can that survive in the SEC? They outscored some people, but can they get over, you know, contend with the next group and really make a charge uh, in the SEC East? Here's why I like Tennessee. You've got a quarterback in Hendon Hooker who I'm very high on. I like him because he's capable of making big plays, but he also protects the football. And you don't see that all that often in college football where a guy can make those big, big plays. He only threw three interceptions last year against 31 touchdowns. And he's got a, a one of the top two or three receivers in the league in Cedric Tillman. They bring back everybody on the offensive line except for one. They bring back 1,100 yards rushing from their top two backs. If they can just get a little bit better on defense, a little bit better, and I, I've got them penciled in for six wins that, that, that they will get with no problem, and their over-under to me comes down to two games. Uh, at Pitt, early in the season, who was also a very experienced team coming back, and Caden Slovis, the former USC you know, phenom, is their quarterback taking over for Kenny Pickett and at LSU. Those two games will determine, in my opinion, whether Tennessee is ready to take that next step and potentially be a New Year's Six bowl game, bowl team. It They cannot possibly be any worse on defense. But this was a top 10 offense in America last year, second in the league only to Alabama. So I'm a big Hendon Hooker guy. And, you know, I, I'm kind of like you. I'm a little bit nervous about Josh Heupel. Is he ready to be, you know, that coach? But I, I like their personnel. I like the way their schedule sets up. I like a lot of things about Tennessee. They bring back uh, the majority of their offensive line as well, four of the five, uh, tackle to tackle. Uh, that's important. I, I want to see, I think this year is very similar to what Ole Miss was last year. And Kiffin wants to go up-tempo. They get high-scoring games. And he just brought in numbers, transfer portal and recruits. And he just got more bodies on defense and just made them not not great, but just better. And because you know they're going to score. And, heck, man, they went to the Sugar Bowl uh, because of it. Uh, Tennessee needs to do something similar uh, under Heupel in his second year, Brucey. I think they do. But look, remember this last year about, about Heupel. Um, the first month of the season when he was still using Joe Milton at quarterback a little bit, um, they were only running about 30 to 40% of their offense at the start, and gradually they started to ramp it up. But they really didn't have the whole playbook and using it until they got into October. And that's when Hooker took over at quarterback, and that offense really took off. So the first month, I mean, they lost a couple games. They lost the Florida game. They lost the Pitt game. But it was a different Tennessee team later in the year. And I point out, you know, they, they were playing Alabama very tough. That's a very misleading score in that game. It was 52-24. That was a seven-point game. Uh, deep, well into the second half. So I think Hypo's got him on the right track. The defense should be a little bit better. Also, still having Milton around is not a bad safety blanket, a quarterback with some experience. In case Hooker goes down, sometimes you need two quarterbacks, and at least they've got a backup uh, who's been in the system and who has started big games before in his career. That's not something to be ignored for Tennessee. That Tennessee number is eight, and the schedule is kind of paced as well. That Pitt game, they're going to be a slight favorite at Pitt. That's one of those swing games. They play Ball State to open up on a Thursday night, which gives them an extra long week to prepare for that rematch against the ACC champions. Then they have Akron before Florida. Then they have a bye week before they go to Baton Rouge. So there are some little... Breathing rooms and Bruce, you you we, we talk about this all the time. Scheduling with handicapping college football, those little exhale spots after big games. As much as the greatest 
you know, the most successful season ever, the 2019 LSU season, every time they played a big game, they had a little bit of a lesser opponent or a bye week, a Vandy in there, a Renowin in there. They always had that little exhale spot instead of just jam-packed. The Ole Miss schedule? Ah, no, this is different. It's all exhale until they get into almost a murderer's row. How did that scheduling with Ole Miss kind of affect you guys handicapping? A lot for me because I think Ole Miss is roaring into October unbeaten and maybe deeper into October. Uh, you know, I, I think they might be able to clear. Uh, we got seven, we got eight, we got some seven and a half still out there. Um, I, I think they might get to seven or eight by the time they get to mid uh, October, and, uh, and 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 they could be off and flying. Point out this about Jackson Dart. Um, eventually, he was the guy at USC last year. He moved out Keaton Slovis, very highly recruited prep, and he was just kind of caught in the middle there of the SC coaching change. There's no way he would have left there, I think, if they didn't make a coaching change. I mean, he looked like he was the quarterback of the future. So I think he gives Lane actually more upside than he might have had with with uh, Corral the last couple of years, although Corral had some experience and all that. But there's a lot of upside there. Um, and he also, uh, DJ Durkin comes in now in defense. He had a coordinator change on the other side, but Durkin uh, has rehabilitated himself and he's done a great job on, on the defensive side. Or oh, Durkin left, I'm sorry. Um, but they've rehabilitated themselves. It's, it's his brother now. It's, it's guys from his staff that are coming in. So Ole Miss defensively was better, but I don't think they're going to lose much offensively this year. Uh, it's because of Dart. By the way, Durkin is now with Jimbo. So uh, Jimbo poached Durkin away from, from Kiffin. And also his play caller is at uh, Oklahoma yep. uh, as well this year. And so uh, making a change. But I, th- I still think, and Charlie, this is the funny thing. We're talking about the, the, the main source of continuity is a guy that was, he, he, he couldn't stay put forever. And also, we haven't heard all the off-the-field shenanigan stories when it comes to Joey Freshwater and Lane Kiffin. This odd fit seems to have some legs to it, you know, and, and providing some continuity. If you heard him at SEC Media Days talk about the, not the the Ole Miss team, but you heard him talk about the issues in college football, if you didn't know that he had the past that he had, you'd think, God, this is the most mature, level-headed guy in the room because he was one of the few that actually you know, gave some potential solutions uh, to, to some of the problems in college football. What I, what I like the most about Lane Kiffin is his ability to adapt to his personnel at quarterback. This goes back to what he did at Alabama with Jalen Hurts. He turned Hurts. It was a horizontal offense that first year. He turned him into the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Last year, when Matt Corral went down with the injury in the Tennessee game, he still played, of course, but he was nowhere near the quarterback. You can go look at his rushing attempts from the first half of the season to the second half. And Ole Miss became a much, much different football team. Most coaches can't adjust on the fly like that. Uh, Corral's legs were such a huge part of their offense in September and, and in part of October until they got in that wild game with Tennessee. And Kiffin adjusted. He went from John Rice Plumley to Matt Corral. He's very, very good at that. And I suspect that he will get the best out of Jackson Dart. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, he is he is highly respected. Ole Miss is going to be favored in or projected to be favored in all eight of their games to start the season. Uh, the closest one will be at LSU, that eighth game 
Uh, but they'll be favored against Kentucky and Auburn, both in Oxford. Uh, they travel to Georgia Tech and should not have any problem there and travel to Vanderbilt. This is a schedule that, Bruce, you could have You could have your total. Uh, we're looking at eight at Bet Rivers right now. There are some seven and a half floating around, but uh, you, 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 you think they're going to be fine. And then they do have a little break in their schedule in between LSU and um, LSU and um, they come back with A&M. Then they have a bye week between Texas A&M and Alabama. And, of course, they end up with the Egg Bowl at home. Yeah, I mean, they could be 9-0 and when they hit Bama. It wouldn't shock me. And that's the schedule thing you talked about before. I mean, they get the week off before Alabama, so that's very important. But you're right, the schedule rolls out there pretty favorably for them. And a little bit of time for Dart to get his legs underneath him, but I don't think it'll take long. One other note, I do shows with the guys up there in Memphis and uh, with Brett, who's on the Ole Miss crew. At the start, they weren't sure what to make about Kiffin, but they're completely sold now. And they love him as a play caller, the way he manages the games. Uh, he's been a pleasant surprise for all of them. So I think the uh, doubters on Kiffin, there's very few of them left now, have actually watched him work. Uh, not everybody loves him, but as a coach, he's done very well. I He's settling in a lot better than I thought, Charlie. I thought this was a, a year or two, we'll get out of there. I mean, I thought this was going to be a... a a, a, a complete disaster. It has not been. It is, like I said, he's settled in, and I don't see him really leaving. I think he's in sort of a comfortable spot right now. We'll have to see. He's been wanted about the NILs a little bit because Ole Miss is not going to put up as much money as some of the leading teams in the SEC. Well, ask it this way. What are the top jobs that are likely to be open at the end of this season? And let's start with Auburn because I don't know that there's a, a more – likely job to be open that's any better than that. What would happen if come the end of November or the beginning of December, Auburn was looking for a coach and tried to hire Lane Kiffin? Hmm. Is, is it, would there be a hotter name out there if Ole Miss does get to 9-0 and, and, and finishes up 10-2 and or something like that? You know, we've talked about Matt Campbell for years. Maybe he missed his window. I don't know that there would be a hotter name in college football for a blue blood looking for a coach than, than Kiffin if he puts up a 10-win season here. Well, LSU's a better job. In LSU, there were some people that were, including myself, that have been just fine with Lane Kiffin uh, coming to Baton Rouge. Um, you know, you, the previous coach had some missteps off the field, and they didn't want to roll the dice when it came to that point. We know that. Uh, but Auburn uh, passed up on him when they were hiring you know, so will they not pass up on him uh, this time? So he is, and he makes his teams competitive. The game against Alabama a couple of years ago. I mean, his season, they, they, it's going to be hard in the West for Ole Miss with inferior resources to, you know, to win the West. But at any point, they can beat anybody in the league. And, uh, you know, and Jimbo's making a lot more than, than, uh, than Lane, and he beat him a couple of years ago too. As long as Lane does fairly well. Uh, he's going to have a shot at whatever big job opens up. Because remember, he's a Jimmy Sexton guy. Uh, so he'll have a shot. I would watch Texas, because I'm not sure, Arch Manning or not, if uh, if Sarkeesian is all that. And, and in future years, we're going to be talking about Texas when we do an SEC preview. But uh, they're going to open up the checkbook for whoever it is, if they do make a change. And I think if Kiffin wins, he's right near the top of that list for any of these uh, upcoming mega jobs that might be opening up. All right, uh, Bruce, Texas A&M, we talked about them. Sam Houston State, Appalachian State, Miami, 
uh, and then UMass. So uh, 3-0 and for sure. Miami's at home. They will be favored in that game. And then their non-divisional opponents are Florida and South Carolina. Here's Jimbo again. Can he get past the 8-4 and type of mark that has kind of been hovering around? Yeah, and I think they've got a, a, a tricky uh, a, a tricky run there, late September into early uh, early October. Uh, you've got Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Alabama, I think, in a row. Uh, so that's going to be a little bit uh, tricky for them. And uh, th- this is a spot here, and I, we see teams like this every year, where one loss can really throw them off kilter. Now, last year, they lost that game to Arkansas, and they bounced back, and they beat Alabama after that, which was kind of a surprise. But you can see them putting – there's going to be so much focus on the Alabama game this year for, for A&M. And if uh, they get roughed up in that game, plus they've got a couple of tricky ones before that, I think there's some banana peels out there for A&M. That's why I'm not as bullish on them getting over that win total. If it's up there – if there's nines out there, I'm, I'm not betting that one over. I know that. Arkansas will be a pick'em game that's in Arlington, Texas. Keep in mind, it's like the Georgia-Florida situation. Uh, it's a team, one of the team's home game. One team, that's one of their home games. So they only played three, uh, three home game, three, three SEC games at Kyle Field. And those games in a row, all the way from Kyle Field, Arkansas at Mississippi State, at Alabama, at South Carolina, all in a row, all in a row. Yeah. So and Arkansas uh, beat is, them last year too. Yeah. Oh, they, they're yes, they beat them uh, handily, and so. And I think, uh, you know, another another team, a good team is expected uh, for a Sam a Pittman. Uh, Charlie, you think uh, Anim's getting over the hump? Well, w- w- what are we calling the hump? Are we saying uh, six eight, and two in the league nine, is the hump? Uh, nine, the win total. I wouldn't bet it over either. Um, no. That that probably, that kind of seems like the sweet spot, that, that nine and three is exactly how they end up. Uh, it, it would probably, it's a, it's a pass for me. Either way, if you you know, gun to my head, I'd say under. But nine really feels like the sweet spot for them. Yep, I, I would. It would be an under or nothing uh, for me uh, with uh, Texas A and M. And I, you know, they, they're again, their their supporting cast is getting better. They're bringing in good recruiting classes, but their quarterback play is not going to be at the level of some of the other uh, some of the other teams. They're going to have better supporting cast than them to uh, you know to uh, start with. Um, Charlie, uh, you wanted to talk about uh, South Carolina, the Gamecocks. And uh, I tell you what, Beamer, it was – got him to that bowl game. They upset North Carolina in Charlotte. Uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, he got to, to – you know, doused with the Mayo. But it's, this seems like he's got a something low energy level. He's recruiting better. He's, you know, using a transfer portal. Um, I think that he can bring them to respectability. I, respectable, yeah. They, they. I think most people would say they overachieved last year. If you dig into what they did, though, um, it, it maybe it's a little bit not as impressive as he. They beat Eastern Illinois. They beat East Carolina by a field goal. Right. They beat Troy. They beat Vandy. They beat Florida in November when Florida was fading. And they beat Auburn in November when Auburn was fading. You're right. It was a very impressive performance in the, in the bowl game against North Carolina. But if you remember what they did, uh, Dacaron Joyner, who's a really a wide receiver, played quarterback in that game. And he was great. He, he accounted for uh, 224 yards of offense, and he didn't throw an incompletion. They never let that out during the week. 
Um, and North Carolina was playing their guy. Sam Howell played in that game. Yeah. But North Carolina was caught so completely flat-footed by Joyner and the dual threat that he brought that they were completely blown away. So the, the element of surprise. And, of course, he won't be the quarterback this year. He's going back to wide receiver. I'm not overly high on Spencer Rattler. I, I thought he kind of collapsed under the expectations at Oklahoma. I like what Shane Beamer's doing, but I think last year might have looked a little bit better with the record than it actually was. I could be completely wrong here. Rattler could make all the difference in the world. He could bounce back to his freshman year uh, when he was really good at Oklahoma and not so much the guy we saw last year. But I think it's a little bit a little bit inflated on them. Uh, yeah. Bruce? I, I, I agree. And, and remember, you can add North Carolina into those teams that were fading when uh, South Carolina beat them because North Carolina down the stretch last year into the bowl game went really flat and Mac uh, alluded to that at, uh, at ACC day in Charlotte last week that they're just trying to get that season behind them but uh, I think at some point though when expectations get higher at South Carolina uh, we'll see if Beamer can exceed those last year was sort of made after the mess that he inherited there and his spirit I give him credit for propping them up but they almost lost that game to Vanderbilt Close calls, like Charlie said, in a lot of those other games. So, uh, yeah, they got to the bowl game, but uh, eventually, you know, we'll see. And Rattler, I'm like Charlie. I, I need to be convinced because last year, uh, after being a big buyer on Rattler, uh, no, not after last year, after you let that thing slip away at Oklahoma. And, and Rattler's not going to have the favorable advantage for his supporting cast against SEC defenses like he did, you know, at Oklahoma against Big 12 defenses. When you play Clemson every year as your rival, you don't schedule anybody else, and that's what they're doing. Georgia State, Charlotte, and South Carolina States, that's 3-0. and But tennis, uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas, that's not – you, you know, you can do a lot. You can do it. Could be a lot easier with your non-divisional opponents uh, than those two teams. So, and sometimes I like the angle of a team that's won a bowl. People putting too much emphasis on that bowl game. I know it gives him something to sell. It builds him some momentum trying to rebuild the program. But from year to year, I see it every year. That's you don't know exactly who's excited to play in those bowl games. South Carolina was way more excited to play North Carolina. That's not reality in some of those uh, those right. bowl games. It could be a little bit misleading. Bruce, you wanted to talk about Vanderbilt Commodores. We've seen it bounce from two to two and a half. It's at two and a half right now, and they have a, a what, what, one real weak opponent. They go to Hawaii as a uh, a favorite, a six and a half point favorite in week zero. The Commodores. We're down there at what two and a half for Vanderbilt. Um, and, I, and I've talked with you guys and Charlie on the show, I think, uh, uh, in the weekly show. I think this is a good bet to go over. I mean, they won two last year with basically uh, no offense in Clark Lee's first year. Um, Vanderbilt, we know the challenges that they're going to have. The nil is going to make it even harder for Vandy. They've lost some guys through the portal. But uh, Clark Lee has already announced that Mike Wright is going to be his quarterback. A lot of us who watched Vandy last year are not surprised by that. He's very electric. He's very dynamic. He's a great runner, too, and I think that's what Vanderbilt needs. But back to that schedule, uh, if I'm not mistaken here off the bat, you got the Hawaii game, and that's a week zero game, so we'll get to see them a little bit sooner. Uh, Elon and then Wake Forest, and then uh, who we got, uh, Northern Illinois. Uh, they'll be an underdog to Wake Forest, but they'll be favored in the other games. They could be 3-1. and one. You could have an over for them before they right. get in the SEC. Now, that's important because they haven't won an SEC game in a few years, but that non-conference schedule is made for it. All bets are off if they lose to Hawaii in the opener. 
and that's risky. But Hawaii's breaking in a new coach, too. We'll talk about that in the weekly stuff later on. But uh, two and a half, Clark Lee's not dumb. I mean, he's a well-respected defensive guy. We'll see how he works out long-term there. He may not. But I think he's got a much better chance to make something happen because they have settled on their quarterback, and I think their quarterback's kind of dynamic. And that non-conference schedule, I see three wins in there for them, and that would get well, them over gonna, the hump. Shame on them if they lose to Elon, okay? And then <laughs> at Northern Illinois, they'll be a bigger favorite than what they are. So the Hawaii game is the big swing game, and they're six-and-a-half-point favorites. So, I mean, you can get over that. But if you can find two, uh, even more so uh, with that one. So Bruce likes uh, – oh, I like Ole Miss as well. Uh, over, I uh, I like what Kiffin's doing, and he, he's going to be fine. And their non-conference schedule, it is really the schedule is really soft. Now you got to get a lot of that work done before you get into the deep part of that schedule as well. But I like them with you. A and M under or best or, or no bet uh, for me, Bruce. Like you, Vandy, I like that uh, over. Charlie, you got Tennessee over. Auburn under. South Carolina under. How about both of you guys with the two new coaches with, you know, the, and maybe this this rivalry will go away, this series. And LSU and Florida have played some unbelievable games uh, over the years. But new coaches in Gainesville and also in Baton Rouge, LSU is six and a half, my, minus 150 to the over. And Florida, Florida is seven and a half, under one, minus 141. Well, let me let me start with LSU. Um, you know what? A lot of a lot of people point with the Brian Kelly and the entire staff, but they turned over better than fifty percent of this roster. And Jimmy, you know this that they turned over near the the entire support staff in the building. Uh, I mean, about ninety percent of the support staff, including some people that had been at LSU for a long, long time. This is a completely new start. They will turn over their entire offensive line, uh, one returning starter, but not at the same position. They will turn over their entire secondary, returning starters, but not returning starters from LSU in four out of the five positions. They bring back almost no production at the the running back position. Their leading returning rushers had 100 yards. And their best player, Kayshawn Boutte, is coming off of a major injury. Oh, and you got a quarterback battle. I mean, I think Brian Kelly is a fantastic coach. I think he's going to do a terrific job at LSU. But this year, you're asking them to change a lot. I mean, that is a the defensive line is loaded. That'll be by far the best position on the team. But and there's a lot of talent overall. But the the sheer amount of turnover, I think, makes it difficult to expect too too much out of him in year one. I think the total is at six and a half. Seven, I think, is a is kind of a, a sweet spot number for LSU. But they got a lot of things that they got to work out. And Kelly will get it done. But expecting him to do it right out of the gate is asking a lot. Bruce, I mean, it's to the point where the secretary's new. Tommy Moffitt was Nick Saban's on his original staff coming over from Miami as a strength and conditioning coach. He was purged. In this whole uh, deal. So, I mean, you talk about the, the roster, the administration, the, the health and condition, you know, the strength and conditioning. Everybody is new. Yeah. It, it, you really have to, like, dismiss last year because what you and Charlie said, I mean, it's all new. The players, the staff, the whole building, people in the building are new. That's why I think that opening game against Florida State really intrigues me. We, we You know, Florida State, we know the, the, the hot seat that Norvell is on there. 
But where Brian Kelly is at, and I think we'll get a barometer pretty quick, um, if they can beat Florida State. I'm not sure Florida State's great, but that's going to be an indicator that maybe things are going to be on the rise there. But it's a completely different situation. I think it's interesting. One note, you're talking about Kelly here into LSU and the win total down there at 6.5. The other big-name coach who's moved is uh, Lincoln Riley to USC. They've got USC at, what, 9.5, just to moving outside of the SEC for a second. And they're like judging USC like they were Oklahoma last year. And I think that's very odd. Uh, they're not doing that with Kelly in this win number at six and a half. That's very modest. If he can make any sort of a positive there, I think they can go uh, get over that. Although if, if you're looking at six and a half, there's a price you're going to have to lay with that. So there had been some sevens out there. So there was a little bit of downward pressure at seven. Uh, but I think they can probably exceed that. Just on Kelly's track record, it's been very good. Yeah, our buddy Matt Humans uh, has LSU over six and a half uh, this year, so he uh, he likes them a lot. And then Billy Napier seven and a half is going to be interesting. And it's all about his quarterback, who has he's uh, physically uh, tremendous, but there's a lot more. You know, get his accuracy, get his decision making, get his. He's got a long way to go. He's got a chance because he's such a big guy who can run with an arm. But can he fine-tune his skills to play in the basketball? But we, we got to wrap it up right now. But, again, Bruce with the overall miss, I like that too. Over Vandy, under Texas A&M. I think A&M is an under or pass. A Tennessee, Charlie likes Tennessee over. Auburn under and South Carolina under. And, guys, who would have thought that Kentucky's win total would be two and a half games more than Auburn's? I mean, that's unusual. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, final thoughts, uh, Bruce, you first. Yeah, just a couple we didn't touch upon there. Arkansas, I'd keep an eye on them, too. I think Sam Pittman's done a great job. The greatest job that he's done is keeping his two coordinators now for the third year, Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom. They've done a great job. Very especially, good. Yeah, especially Odom on that defense. So, uh, very good from him. And Florida, we didn't touch upon them just a second, uh, just for a second at the end there. But Richardson does have some experience. Remember, this was a top 10 team last year into October, and then that thing all unraveled. Napier could be the breath of fresh air. And a lot of people say of all the Nick Saban disciples, and, and it's some of them have struck out as head coaches. But this one is one that reminds a lot of people most of Saban. And, you know, we will see. Uh, and he turned down jobs before uh, Florida. So he must have wanted this one really bad. And uh, Jimmy Sexton got it for him. So I think Napier might end up being a very good hire for Florida. Charlie, I was a little surprised at Mullen after such a long stretch of success in Starkville and in early in Gainesville that just things would go so sour so quick. Yeah, it was surprising. And, you know, we, we know that Mullen – hasn't always been the easiest person to get along with. Uh, you know, the first time he was having success in the Florida job came up and they didn't even interview him. So the personality conflict probably didn't help him, uh, you know, when things started to go south. The, the, one, the one thing I'll, I'll leave you guys with, and it'll be something maybe we're talking about after the season that we're not talking about now. When we get to the 1st of November, teams that are basically playing out the string or playing to go to a low-level bowl – how many transfers out with a month to go in the season? You know, these teams that get there, what if Auburn, for instance, is 3-5 and five at the end of October? You're going to see a mass exit. It happened at LSU last year. You, you lost a lot of guys. I wonder, you know, now that the transfer portal is common, you know, commonplace, how many of these guys are going to say, you know what, I'm opting out after the end of October 
and these games that we're trying to handicap in the month of November here before the season look drastically, drastically different. Charles, Bruce, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the other thing, too. Uh, coaches now in college football get fired during the season. That used to not be the case. Long ago, um, Frank Cush, when he got hired, fired at Arizona State back in the late 70s, that was an enormous story. That rarely happened until recently, but now... I mean, if, if a guy's going to be fired, he's gone in October, November. The number last year was staggering. So the odds are one of these SEC guys in trouble, like a Harson, if it's not going well, he ain't going to be there in November. They're going to make a yeah. change. They don't wait anymore. So keep that in mind week to week as we go. No doubt. All right. Uh, Bet River, uh, again, Bet Rivers, our sports bettors paradise. Conference previews. We will uh, preview all 11 conferences. For Charles Handegriff, Bruce Marshall, I'm Jimmy Ott here in the Sports Betters Paradise, part of the Bet Rivers Podcast Network.